Let's first of all go back to 1867. Here is the first notion of an American state that brought in the eight-hour day. Uh, not long after that, 1926, or a few decades after that, Henry Ford really pushed for the unions to have the nine-to-five workforce. 1926, so we're talking nearly 100 years, but it's redundant. It's, it's over 100 years old. It's time to throw that out. Hi, this is Angela Poon, Operations Director at Strive Stronger, and welcome to the NAB Business Fit Podcast, where we chat with experts and leaders in a range of fields, delving into their world to find out what fuels them and to learn lessons that can be applied to running a small business, especially during these challenging times. In this episode, we are turning the tables and I will be interviewing the usual host of the NAB Business Fit Podcast, Andrew May, blending what he has learned through a successful career as a high-performance athlete, coach, entrepreneur, and executive, Andrew is one of the world's leading performance strategists. Andrew is CEO and founder of Strive Stronger, and he has sold his previous business, The Performance Clinic, to KPMG, where he has worked as a partner across multiple sectors and countries. Andrew is the former physical performance manager for the Australian and New South Wales cricket teams. He brings an inspiring, evidence-based approach to helping people live better, work better, and lead better. He has regular segments on ABC News Breakfasts, and has written four previous books, including the recently released bestseller Match Fit, which he co-wrote with Dr. Tom Buckley. Andrew consults too and coaches a number of CEOs and small business owners. So what better person to discuss the new ways of working? Andrew, welcome to the podcast. And welcome. I think you've just found a new role. I think I'm going to get out of the seat and put you in there and uh, you can be our new podcast. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun to be on this side of the table for a change. <laughs> yeah, drilling down. Um, this is a topic I'm very passionate about. It's a topic that you and I are hearing, that all of our team at Stride Stronger are hearing mm. in meetings, live. Now we're doing some live meetings on all of our forums, on our online programs. There's a real nervousness and in, in some areas a fear around mm. this new world of work. How yep. are we going to manage this? I know with your experience and your background, you've worked in a wide range of industries. You've worked with people from all works of life, from actors to athletes to people in the top ASX companies, very senior executives. And you've been a partner um, in a consulting firm that yourself. So you would have seen shifts in the way we work um, for many years, but nothing has shifted like what has happened with COVID-19. It's really accelerated and the changes that um, we're now seeing. I have worked from home for 20 plus years. I love working from home, apart from when kids and partner and dogs and everyone has been there with COVID-19. But there is this fear at the moment. But look, I think the nine to five workday is outdated. I actually think COVID-19 is going to fundamentally shift the way we work. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel for people who don't have work. I feel for people who are struggling with money. I feel for people who are really struggling mentally. The good side on this, though, I think is accelerated yeah. and we won't go back, meaning organisations have been trying to get technology, mm. whether it's Skype or Zoom or Teams, yeah. uh, but people were resisting and, and there was no way of resisting with yeah. COVID-19. It, it's funny how with something like COVID, there's no more excuses. Mm. We, we're going to do this whether you like it or not. So what do you think some well, of Well, you the even got me using Microsoft this Teams. This is true. <laughs> I was so happy about that. I've been like struggling with it for ages and now you're really into it. Well, I think it's an example and it's a candid one that, you know, I'm, I'm not bad at technology, I get it, but then I just get into a groove and mm. our brains, two things about our brains, Ange. One is humans love change, you mm -hmm. know, from the dawn of time with evolution and Dr. Nicola Gates, our neuropsychologist, talks about the way we live. You know, humans live in on top of oceans. We 
live underground, we live in the desert, we live in the snow, we live up in the sky, mm. uh, we live in space. So we love change. Our brains are designed, but we've got a little bit cocooned. You know, we've got yeah. a little bit too controlling, thinking mm. that everything's a press of a button or drop and mm. drag. So that's the first thing. Our brains are designed on change. Mm. We just haven't been training for change. Mm. The second thing is our brains use a lot of energy. So we, we have habits and routines and rituals. So my example, why I didn't get on Teams like I should have when you first said, because I was just in the habit of you <laughs> sending me stuff, I'd download it and then go. Um, so part laziness perhaps, but more part ritual and routine. I think there's a lot of people, especially mid-30s above, who've been fundamentally forced or have been forced. Pivot's not the right word. Mm. It's a backflip. You know, Pivot means I move like that. Yeah. It's a backflip to work the way we are. And I think it's actually good. Some good will come out of this from a productivity, from an engagement and from a working point of view. Let's elaborate on that. What do you mean by good? Because a lot of the times with such big changes, some people thrive in changes. Some people fear the change and some people are, are a blend in, in between. So for those that are a bit scared about the ambiguity and the change itself, what, what and, you, and you talk about some of these good things, can you throw them an idea of why this can be a positive? Mm. Let's first of all go back to 1867. Do you know what happened in 1867 in, in Illinois? No, I can't say that I do. <laughs> it was the first notion of an American state that brought in the eight-hour day. Mm-hmm. Uh, not long after that, 1926 or a few decades after that, Henry Ford really pushed for the unions to have the nine-to-five workforce. Mm. 1926. So we're talking nearly 100 years. But it's redundant. It's it's over 100 years old. It's time to throw that out. Now, you know the way I work. Mm. I'm a morning person, so I'll get up early and often our team gets emails from me and goes, oh, God, he's been up early. But, you know, we have a rhythm and I say, when I send you an email, don't respond, respond in your work time. Yeah. So I think this has given us an opportunity to say, you know, what is my energy personality? And we talk about the gazelle, the early morning person, the tiger, that's a hybrid. You're okay over morning, you know, you're good Late morning, you crash after lunch and you're good in the afternoon. The tiger, so the bear are the ones that hate mornings. They come alive uh, after in the afternoon. Then you've got the dolphin, people with insomnia. We've just added that one. But I think when you look at your energy personality, align your day to that. It makes a huge difference, huge difference. Yeah, I'm definitely the tiger. And um, so I'm definitely not up with the gazelles in the morning. So when you do, when I do receive those emails, but we have spoken about it. So I do know that even though you send us loads of emails, um, I can take my time and do it in my own time because we have that agreement and that sort of operating or team operating rhythm. But going back to change being hard and um, you talk about, you know, that I can't believe that we've been working this nine to five um, workday, which is really for the industrial times and really not for the modern times. What are some of the other um, reasons that, or some of the other positives that are coming out of this? Look, this is the fourth industrial revolution. So, um, and the nine to five workday came in at the second industrial revolution. So we're two revolutions behind. Um, for the, just to close out on those people who are struggling with change, build in micro doses of change. Yeah. And you've, you've heard me talk about this. I call it the same game. We wake up in the same house next to the same person, um, 
it's recommended if you're married. We <laughs> have a shower in the same shower. We wear the same clothes. We used to take the same bus or train or car route to work. We now work in the same office at home, working from home. We have the same morning tea. We still have the same meetings with the same people on Skype calls and Zoom calls. Some are early, some are late. Some add value, some don't. Mm. And when I do this with a group, I get to 9 a.m. They go, stop, stop. You've explained my day because then we have the same crash in the afternoon we take the same route home from work when we go into the office. We put our car keys, our mobile phone in the same spot. We have the same interactions with the same people. We have the same meals in the same house. We watch the same TV shows, put our kids and partners to bed, and we have the same emails at night, and we stare at the same roof and go, is this all that there is? So we need to build change in. The, the thing, though, Ange, with COVID-19, and especially on it was the 15th of March, where the Australian government said it is, you know, we're going to, we're not going to allow you to go to work. You've got to work from home. That change was forced upon us. We freaked out. Mm. But if people had said, hey, if I've got the choice on, on March 14th, if I had the choice to go to the office tomorrow or work from home, I would feel like I've got control. Yeah. So when we don't have control in a situation, you mentioned correctly, humans don't like ambiguity. We also don't like big numbers. We've yeah. thrown both of those in. Big numbers with virus numbers, big numbers in the second phase of COVID. Are we here now for nine months or 18 months? We don't know. Big global numbers. It's creating a lot of fear. But this is going to be good, I believe. Uh, there's a meme going out you may have seen. And, and the question is, who has had more impact on innovation in your organisation? Yeah. A, the CEO. B, the CTO, Chief Technology Officer. Or C, COVID-19. That's you know, For organisations listening, watching this, COVID has pushed us five, ten years ahead of what we would have done if we were playing the same game. Um, so, Andrew, you talk about implementing micro doses of change. What does that look like? Does that look like I just change the way I walk to the bus in the morning? Does it mean I'm eating a different breakfast? What do you mean by micro doses of change? But both those. It could be wearing different clothes. Um, we, we, I do this with our kids sometimes. We have uh, dessert for brekkie and then we have brekkie for dinner. And then the kids go, opposites. It must be a game kids play. <laughs> but, you know, that, that sort of builds a bit of fun. But just change it up. Uh, you know, often when I'm working with a group, I'll get them to put their watch on the opposite hand and you realise – how mm. routine, how rigid we become. Mm. Habits and rituals are good. I learned this in elite sport. The best, best athletes, the best teams follow process and behaviours. But what has got you to here will not necessarily get you to where you need to go. So yeah. just building that mindset in Ange of regular change, but not changing too much, which is sometimes the paradox, you know. What is the stuff I need to do to be specifically to new world of work, to be efficient? I've got to move every day. I need mm -hmm. to get that 10,000 steps to wake up my mitochondria. I've got to eat a good, nutritious diet so I get all the macronutrients to my brain. I need play, fun, laughter. You know, I need love, connection. But then change it up a little bit as well. So look at your building blocks. They don't change. But just the little microdoses every day keeps your brain. And, and when we look at neuroscience, so the study of the plasticity of the brain, those people that constantly learn evolve, you know this, you meet someone who's 45 – at a dinner party or you meet them at a conference. God, get me out of here. She's putting me to sleep. You know, there's no colour. You meet someone 85 and they're just planning the next 30 years. Mm. It's a mindset. I think change is a mindset. So you talk about the neuroplasticity of the brain. So the, doing those microbe doses of change, is that some, doing something different to your brain? What is, what is that? Yeah, What's the correlation? It's absolutely fundamental. The, the, a brain that changes 
constantly gets more wiring. So yeah. if you just do the same thing, you know, we're energy efficient, we get lazy. So you're lighting up the axons and dendrites by doing different things. Now, people watching this going, yeah, sure. Look, I get it, mate, but I'm stressed. Mm. You, know, you don't understand. And, and I know in the first month for us in COVID, it was crazy. Our eyeballs were white. Fear, panic. Are we going to have jobs? We lost 90% of revenue yeah. overnight. So we just did a digital backflip to create a new business. In that first month, Ange, I wasn't going, hey, I'm going to put my watch on the opposite hand and I'm yeah. going to have breakfast for dinner. Opposites. No, it was survival. So you probably got to pick the right time to do this. And if you have no capacity, wait until the water level comes down a bit. Um, and in terms of like you talk about capacity there, that's really interesting because there are some people that love change and are thriving at the moment, but there are some people that are feeling, wow, this is really overwhelming. Mm. I don't know what to do next um, because I've got s- stress coming from work, coming from the home and worried about my health, etc. What are some of the advice that you give to those people to that are – Drowning almost. Yeah, it's nurture nature, meaning uh, nurture you can build in some change and increase your resilience to change. And some people by nature are better at change than others. So there is a psychological component of it. Mm. We can't change that. What we can change is the neuroplasticity stuff. The first thing people can change is their mindset. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a Hebrew proverb that I love, this too shall pass. If you talk to a few people I know, um, mature, I was going to say elders in their 70s and 80s, they've been through multiple crises. For a lot of us, this is the first one. Mm. The, The global financial crisis hit the world, but Australia with our banks and mining stocks, we didn't feel it anywhere near like the rest of the world. So for a lot of people working now, 30, mid-30, below, they've never had any hardship. Mm. Uh, You know, I I often say as well, struggle is good. You you get your greatest growth from the toughest time. So I look back in my life, uh, a marriage breakdown, having cancer and and having a really tough working environment a few years ago, I grew more from those experiences than I did from when life was good. So if you're watching, listening to this and really struggling, take a step back, pause, reflect. You'll learn a lot out of this. But change your mindset. Change your mindset from, oh, this is terrible, panic, there's nothing I can do about it. Sometimes just letting go helps you go with the current, even if it's on the the periphery, rather than trying to swim against it. You can change the way you think. You really can. But if you've been negative for 40 years, your parents were pessimistic, it's going to be hard. I'd actually say get some support, get some coaching around that. Great. Um, With um, the disruption of – how we're now working and people people's operating rhythms are changing they they were potentially getting used to working from home and now they're having to actually go back into the work um, place or sometimes they're blending the two some people are finding it really hard to get into um, deep work or value added work so what i'd like to know is well for one what is deep work and um, how do you ensure that you're still able to do that deep work with all those disruptions and changes that are currently happening? Mm. So this is something that I've done for for years, as you mentioned in the introduction. I've worked from home a couple of days and worked in an office a couple of days. And it was interesting when we were at KPMG, I was fighting to work from home, yeah. remember? And um 
because I was wanting to do creative time and to think and do deep work. And I actually had to push because I got asked, are you going to take leave? I'm like, no, come on. We're in the you know, year 2000s. Work is somewhere – sorry, work is something you do, not somewhere you go. So I think some of those antiquated mindsets that are still stuck in Illinois back in the late 1800s have been totally blown apart mm. through COVID-19. So what do people need to do? You need to look at your week as a construct and there's five days where you work four days. Um, but look at the days you're working and then go, right, where am I at on those days? Am I at home or the office? My thoughts, if I had a crystal ball, I think we're going to meet like we do at Strive Stronger. We get all the team in on a Monday. So we have that connection, the camaraderie. Um, it was great seeing our team meeting this week. We're all in there going, oh, we met a member who's joined Me, us, Danny. Yep. You met her for the first time live. Yep. So it was just great seeing that that energy. I think then a lot of teams will work from home in the middle of the week. Mm -hmm. There might be a midweek check-in in the office. And I think we'll bookend back in the office on a Thursday or a Friday. So I think that's the first thing. You sit back and look at your week as a unit, you know, five units. Where am I going to be on each of those days? Mm. Yeah. So what's the what – you mentioned operating rhythm. Mm. I, I think there's two operating rhythms. There's an organisational operating rhythm. That is, when do we have the meetings? Uh, when do we have our financial calendar? You know, is it the American calendar? Is it the Australian, the, the Japanese on 1st of October? That's your operating rhythm. How do we communicate as a team? Mm. What's our comms? That's your team operating rhythm. Mm -hmm. Your individual operating rhythm is, here's my week. How do I make that work best? So for you and I, like, you know how I work. I know how you work. That's part of team operating rhythm, but understanding individual differences. Then I look at, in my diary, what deep work do I need to do? Deep work, I got the phrase from Cal Newport, who's written a couple of great books. His latest one is called Digital Minimalism. Cal Newport has sold millions of books, doesn't have a Facebook page, doesn't have Instagram, not on LinkedIn, because he wow. thinks we are spending way too much time on our screens mm. and not enough time doing deep work. I really resonate with his work. So for me, deep work is um, writing content. Deep work is coming up with a new product like our online programs. Deep work is 30-day boost when we first did that. What are the client's needs? I can't do that. No disrespect to you or the wizard who's our wonderful guy behind the scenes doing all the recording. But if I'm in an office with you guys and someone says, hey, I lose focus. So I need to do deep work away from everyone. I do it in my office at home. Or if it's a big project, I go down south to Jeroa. That's where I write books and come up with businesses. Yeah. So I'll get into flow. Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi, flow is when you lose track of time. Time stands still. So deep work is the stuff you really have to think about. Then I think there's connection work or connective work. I've made this up recently. We have that on a Monday because mm -hmm. uh, Cal Newport says deep work and then there's shallow work. Shallow work is email, diary management, the stuff you do on autopilot. And I think in this new world of work, we need that connected work. So when do we all come together and actually you know, congregate as a tribe? Um, you can't beat that. Mm. There has to be some face-to-face -face contact. But the reality is, so here's the coaching mm. psychology flip, um, we are going to be working remote. We need different skills. And we've been working around this with Dr. Nicola Gates. How do you pick up when you're on a, a screen when you see someone? Because if I see you walk in the office, I can see you if you're flat. You don't have the spring in your step. You're not holding your posture. You don't have the same smile. Your, your hair might be a bit disheveled. Your hair, not mine. 
Um, <laughs> but, you know, when you're on a, a, a computer screen, you may not even be wearing pants. Mm. So it, when you see people, you pick up a lot more of the cues. So we've yeah. done some work on this. It's just asking people, like, how are you, Ange? Oh, I'm okay. So what, what are you okay with? Mm. And actually going deeper. And one of our clients with BOQ, we, you know, we had some beautiful feedback that they're using these skills and had some really important, meaningful conversations by going deeper beyond the, are you okay? Yep, tick the box. I've asked Angela's okay. Mm. Move to the next thing. Item five, let's talk about revenue. Mm. So I think we need to train some different skills. There's going to be a thread coming through this, the new world of work. I think a constant is having a growth mindset. Mm. A a growth mindset, you encourage change. You understand change is a normal part of your day-to-day proposition. A growth mindset, it's not success or failure. It's it's a bit more gray. You know, you have some good times, some bad times. A growth mindset, you look at what didn't work, uh, why didn't it work, you take constructive feedback, you don't personalize it, and then move on. I, I think we need that now more than ever. The other thing is, uh, I think in a time like this, is you've got to really connect in with people. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's natural for you. It's not for some. I think it's more natural for women, if I can make it a stereotypical comment. Women will tend to ask, how are you? And then like you look at me and go, like, how's it going? And how's your little Sophia? And how's Tony? And mm. Whereas guys go, how are you, mate? Good. Okay, check. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've been really conscious in this time of really asking people, "How are you? Really? Yeah. yeah what's what's happening?" Um, so it's it's a it's a big ecosystem. Leadership. It's it's you and managing you, and inside that is your family and extended family and friends and network, and then it's the business. So I think it's an exciting time, and maybe I'm a bit left of center. I am. You know that. Um, I like change. I have consciously built change into my life. Mm-hmm. The time when I didn't and I was you know, functioning depressed, which I openly write about in, in the book Matchfit that Dr. Tom and I wrote, is when I'd got into a funk for five or six years in a relationship where I was just playing the same game. And mm. then for a whole lot of reasons, when marriage broke down, I just struggled massively. Um, I hadn't been building change. I, I wasn't being the best version of myself, let alone mm. being the best version I could be in a marriage. That taught me a lot about mm. change and the building blocks that we talk about, physical activity, nutrition, recovery, connection, play, and you know, thinking. It's not a nice to do, it's essential. So yeah. I think what I've trained myself to do in thinking back to your question is that's just process. Now, it's part of my life. And then I, I change stuff up to stay engaged with my low attention span. I really like that concept of managing your state. And I used to have a saying um, when we – when I used to work at KPMG, that shit rolls downhill. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that similar sort of thing where your energy levels um, do impact others. And I noticed that uh, when I'm with Aurelia, when I am anxious or when I'm upset, I don't even have to say anything, but she picks up on it. Mm. Hi, we hope you have been enjoying this podcast so far. Don't forget that we have plenty more podcasts and content just like this on NAB Business Fit. Go to www.nab.com.au forward slash business fit for more content to support your physical and psychological well-being and to help you take care of business. Um, so wh- how when there's a lot of negativity um, and emotions, like you, you say that you just, you know, you need, you need to manage your mindset and change your internal dialogue, but what are some practical tips on how to do that yeah that's um 
I, I first learned to do that running. So I'm, I'm good at compartmentalizing. So if I've got a keynote and there's a couple of thousand people or I'm going live on TV, I'll switch everything off. If I'm doing deep work, I'll switch everything off. Now, that's good to get work done. It's sometimes been a challenge for me in teams. I now have to communicate, hey, Ange, I'm going to be off for half a day. Great. So then I don't get you know, multiple phone calls and emails because I haven't messaged or I've missed something. So that's the first thing is learning to compartmentalize at times mm-hmm. is actually good. I think we can train ourselves to do that. Sport helps. It helps with that focus. The other thing, I use exercise or I use movement. So if I'm feeling really crappy, I'll go for a walk. I won't do a really big bike ride or, you know, flog myself in the pool or the ocean or you do a heavy circuit. I don't want too much cortisol in the system, but I want to get the heart rate up. It's nature, connection. So I'll move and I find that's not just meditative, but it's it's like my inner coach. And then I start to build in perspective. Perspective, um, I look in the rear view mirror. You know, is it really that bad? When I was diagnosed with cancer, when Michaela hadn't even been born, that's a reality check. I don't have cancer. Um, it's not a life or death situation with COVID-19, working mm. from home and transitioning. Mm. A bit of perspective sometimes helps. I, I think you also go back to you know some of your dark days and the challenging days and it makes the good days better. So I, that, that's a couple of things I do. One is movement to, to change my physiology. It changes my mindset. The second one is reflection. You know, what, what is really bad? You know, when you're told you've got cancer and you, your first daughter's about to be born, that's shit. Mm. Um, but you get through that. You, you Hopefully, um, you get out of cancer and you, you get treatment and good support. It gives perspective. And I think sometimes we lose perspective. Yeah. You know, I've lost a couple of hundred thousand or people have lost 20% of their pay or they've lost the bonus this year or they can't go to Aspen skiing. Yeah. <laughs> the fuck cares? Like, so, but yeah, it's not a massive thing that you're mm. going to look back in 20 years and go, oh, not going on that skiing trip to Aspen mm. really stuffed up my life. Yeah, that's so true. And um, the way that I process with it, I think about I've got a roof over my head, my family is healthy, I've got my – and I'm actually spending a lot more time with my daughter and with my husband. We, we're seeing each other a lot more. We're doing um, – we're embedding a lot more um, traditions in the house um, on, on a weekly basis. We do Pancake Saturdays now every week. Um, and actually, it's been really nice. And I would like to think that that's something that we will um, continue going forward as well as we start to transition how do we somehow keep some of the uh, like recognize some of the good moments and and continue keeping some of that and not get swept up in the busyness again I think by asking that question, um, and I did a radio interview, I um, did regular work with Radio National with Patricia, and she asked that very question last night. So it's a bit of deja vu. It's like you and Patricia have been colluding. You're good. (laughs) There's three good things around COVID. Number one is more flexibility. Mm. I don't have to be on the train at 7am in the morning or I'm in the mountains or on the coast miles away coming to the city. So the flexibility is good. The second thing is it's less money, less money on transport and less money on food because people aren't traveling and they're eating at home. And the third one is more time, personal time for pancake Saturday and stuff like that. So what I'm saying to people is when you redefine your new week, build in some of the good stuff. If you've got this hybrid of being in the office, bookended and working from home, Mm. keep Pancake Saturday. It's really good. I don't know in your social media feed, maybe it's just my social media feed, but people are saying you've got so much more time now. Here's a new hobby to get into. Learn a new language. Do an art class. Learn how to do ballet from home. Bake, make amazing artisanal bread. 
But when I talk to my friends, they're actually saying, I don't have any time to do that. I am actually feeling more busy than I was before because this, I'm struggling or they are struggling with drawing boundaries between working the, the workplace because they're not physically going into the office as much and they're not leaving the work at the door. They're bringing it home and there's always this temptation to get drawn in. And instead of um, working from nine o'clock, they, they start work at eight or seven and they're working right through right until dinner time. How, how do you um, draw those boundaries and not – blend them all together like a lot of people are experiencing. Yeah. Um, before I answer that, I, I think for COVID, there's a group of people, it's been good. Mm. I think COVID has been good if you have means. Mm. Number one, you have money, either a job that's paying or money in the bank to draw on. Uh, the second thing is a home, a house or an apartment where you feel comfortable and you know you have a nice environment. The third thing is connection, love and connection. So if you have money, a home and connection, I think COVID has been a really good experience. I think they're the people that are doing artisan bread and you know doing uh, whiskey tasting courses in Hobart, like one of my mates, how they gave, or you know picking up the guitar or tidying up the third bedroom because you know they're not scrapping. Mm. Uh, so I, I don't think their jobs have changed a lot. I I don't have research on this, but I'd say the people who have means and have got all this extra time, they're able to do their jobs relatively like they were before COVID nineteen came and changed the way we work and live. Mm. Now, if I ask you, and it's a loaded question, how many new hobbies have you got? You look at me and <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. Hey, Ange, come and join a startup. What are you going to do? Here's the way we're going to work. We had it set. Like, yeah. We were ready to sign a contract worth hundreds of thousands of dollars to roll out our whole Keystone Habits program. It stopped. Mm. So we've flipped. So why I've done no hobbies or habits is because we've been working overtime yeah. to get our business or to keep our business going. So I, I think if you've got means and your business is relatively stable, mm. it's been awesome. Mm. And you probably don't want things to change much at the moment. Mm. If you haven't got means, I, I really feel for those people. Um, but if your business model has changed fundamentally, mm. uh, we first used the word pivot. I've thrown pivot out. Pivot's that. You know? We've done a digital backflip. Mm. And we're still backflipping because 30-day boost now is Mark II. We had a big meeting today with a, a supplier, you know, looking at doing massive programs with them. But that means going back and starting it again. So I don't know about you, but I'm looking at next week and going, <laughs> no hobbies next week. No, no, no more painting sessions for me. <laughs> no, but that's that's part of being scrappy. Mm. And, and I think that's another skill set we need to survive in yep. a, a volatile, ambiguous, uncertain world. Mm. You're going to have a bit of scrap or, a, you know, in Dubbo, my mates would say a bit of mongrel about you, mate, mm, mm, mm. bit of spine. So going back to um, my question then about um, those boundaries, yes, uh, whilst we go through and we're in survival mode and understand that there is probably a cohort of people that are going to have to push a bit harder during this time to get over this um, period, but then you kind of it, – it's easy to slip into that habit mm. and continue doing that and it's not necessarily sustainable over a longer period. At what point do you check yourself and go, okay, I need to pull back and I need to start looking after self? Now, and when you start asking that question. Yeah. Um, I wrote an article yesterday that I haven't shared with you yet, but it's the three Bs, borders, boundaries and bookends. Mm. So to avoid, and I, I get it because um, when I started working from home many years ago, there was no delineation between work 
and home. I, I think work-life balance is a crock. I, mm. I despise the term work-life balance because it implies here's work, here's life, and it's balanced. Mm. Um, if you want to achieve in any domain, if you want to be a great athlete, if you want to be a great painter, if you want to be an artist, if you want to be a CEO, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you're going to be massively unbalanced for a couple of decades to cash in. Mm. And, I, and I get a lot of millennials or young athletes come and say, oh, look, I want to be really good and can you teach me some secrets of success? Yep, work your ass off for two decades. What are the secrets? Work your ass off for two decades. You've mm. got to have grit. You've got to have that resilience. You've got to have that experience. But I want to go out every weekend. I want to go on holidays. Well, you're not going to be at the top level. So mm. don't say you want to be great unless you're prepared to sacrifice a decade or two. It's a very interesting conversation after that because about 80% of people buy out. The 20% lean in. Mm. Now, uh, as far as boundaries and what I learned at home, I have rituals, and you know, I'm a bit OCD, but I'll, I'll have a time in my diary when I'm at home to start. So I'll have a starting time. I have an office door at home. The kids and Tony know that when I'm in there, the door is closed. The only door is onto the balcony, which the dog can come in and out of. But I will actually close my door when I finish work, even though I'm at home, and I won't go in there. So mentally, I'm out of work because I've physically closed the door. Mm. And, and that's a really big thing to do. I can hear people going, yeah, but I work at the kitchen bench or I work mm. at the dinner table. Mm. I'd still have some borders around that. And again, you better week when you sit down and look at where's my week, where am I working in the office, when am I at home, put in definite meetings. So when are you going to do your deep work? When are you going to do the shallower mm. admin work? When do you do the sales? When you do the connected work? And then starting time. I do a daily warm-up to this day every single day. So if I start work like this morning, just it was 8 o'clock, I look at my diary. Not a lot of meetings today, but what am I doing? What are the objectives? And I spend 10 or 15 minutes getting in the mindset of my performance moments for that day. What do I need to bring with my role as CEO to the business today? And, and that's a... It's a psychological warm-up before you turn up. So when you've got a really busy day, and you, you asked me this when we first met, how do you go from doing media to a keynote to sales to this? It's a daily warm-up. So when I'm there, I'm there because I've read the notes or I've at least gone. So I'm meeting with Angus. I'm talking to him about this. So I've done some thinking about it. Mm. That's a really important bookend at the start of the mm. day. At the end of the day, I, I don't do this every day. I definitely do it over a, week, over a Friday. I look back over the week. It's the rearview mirror. You know, when you drive, most of your vision is sort of sideways or forward. About 5 or 10% is in the rear view, and that's Friday afternoon. And, and I do it some days after a busy day, and you close out the day then, and you have a, a delineation, a warm-up to start, a warm-down to finish, and then I haven't got my mobile phone on me, but then it's putting your mobile phone. That's another one I've done recently. We've got a technology draw at home. Mm -hmm. The kids put in their laptops and mobile phones and I do the same now. So it's like the technology hideaway. That's that's making a big difference. Oh, I wish I could implement that at home. Do it. <laughs> Just, I, I try to get my husband to buy in on that one. I haven't been very successful yet. Come on, sure. <laughs> come on. You work four days a week and you, you're a good one about boundaries and borders because I know on a Tuesday you've got time with Aurelia, you paint and very rarely you respond to emails or text messages. So how do you do that? Aurelia doesn't let me. Really? <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I've never asked you this. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Anytime that I'm on a call, anytime I try to do work, she's right on my lap. What are you doing, mommy? What are you doing? No, put that away. And she'll smack my phone away. So it's really effective in uh, developing those boundaries. Because uh, I suppose um, conditioned response, when you first did that, you were present. Mm. 
That's yeah. it. That's it. So she she knows that as soon as I'm not present, kids are very very intuitive. They pick it up straight away. Mm. So as soon as I'm not present or not there, and, and if I try to work, she's all over me. But I could be doing something else. I can be cleaning the house, for example, and she could, can I? She's okay. She goes off and plays by herself. But as soon as I'm like doing something and I'm talking to someone, mummy, talk to me. Talk to me. <laughs> We need to. Yeah, uh, we we could make money. We could get a really to go to people who are trying to implement this, and she can be the barometer. Could be that could be a good way to do it. Maybe you not maybe you conditioned her from an early time when you first started with KPMG when you had a really, and then you were you've always had that blend of you know, having a day off yes. as a mum, and from a young age she's been conditioned. I think there's some parents listening to this now going, oh, my God, I've conditioned the other way. Mm. My kids are just used to mummy or daddy doing email, mummy um, mm. or daddy on the phone. You hear those horror stories. I saw it with Archie in year one where the kids at, at Northbridge had to stand up and go, my mum does this and my dad does this. Mm. Archie stood up and said, my mum is a newsreader and she's on TV. My dad my dad does lots of push-ups and <laughs> – and he goes on TV and does push-ups because I'd just been on ABC and I was doing a push-up thing with Michael and Virginia. But my brother is a builder and a bricklayer. So Archie goes, you know, mum's on TV, dad does push-ups on TV. But my brother, Mar- my dad's brother, Marky, my uncle, he's a builder and a bricklayer. So Archie did his whole presentation on Marky. At least it was a family member. <laughs> I, I saw one of the presentations and I saw the mother just mortified. My mum does emails and goes to meetings. Yeah. And my mum's always on the mobile phone. My dad's always yelling at people. So kids pick up what parents do. So with productivity, you said there were three things. We covered operating rhythm. What what were the other two? The second one is technology and process. Mm-hmm. Um, we've all seen this, right? You know, you've got to have the right connection at home, Wi-Fi. You've got to have the right productivity tools. And then it's deciding. I don't think it's one size fits all. I, I look at us as an example. So we're using Teams for Microsoft for our diary. Uh, we use PowerPoint for some. I use Keynote for presentations, Apple Keynote. Um, we're using Teams to share info, Teams for calls. We're hosting all of our stuff on Microsoft. We use Demio as well. We're using Skype for some things. I'm doing that in the media. We also use Zoom with a lot of our huddles. What else are we using? That's pretty much it so far, but I'm sure there will be other things tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So it's having not just one technology or one tool, it's looking at all of that. Mm. Now, you know I've got a productivity coach. No, I didn't yeah, know so that. I've, I've got a guy named Reese. Um, I wonder whether I'd ever told you. So Reese comes around to my house every couple of months. Mm. Um, like I'm, I'm, I, I can work stuff out, but I'm also impatient and don't have time. So I'll say to him, how do I do that? And he just does it for me. So keeping on top of your productivity, keeping on top of your software. We've all had it where you're on Microsoft Word and you haven't upgraded your software and you can't get into the document now that they're all on, on annuity licenses. So keep on top of your productivity. Have the right systems and processes. What are you doing to improve your knowledge on productivity and work smarter? What do you mean? Well, get a productivity coach or at least have a system for putting all your notes together. So I think that's a really important one is having the technology tools but also the systems around productivity. Yeah. And the third one is... Is what we've spoken about with your, I'd call it personal capacity. So think of a vessel, a cup. To make a cup bigger, more capacity, it's time, energy and attention. And this is a lot of the themes we've spoken about. So I don't have any time, Angela, because I've got back-to-back meetings. Okay, block in at least half a day a week to think or do your connection work. You can control that. Energy, mitochondria, these powerhouse cells, sunlight, movement, you know, different 
food, it stimulates your mitochondria. Um, physical activity, love, laughter, do all the stuff that gets your energy right. And the third one, time, energy, is attention. You have finite amounts of attention. Use it well. Get off your technology. Yeah. That's what I love with Cal Newport's positioning on this. The amount of people I see who spend hours a day on on, on social media and who spend hours on their laptops or computers doing email and then they watch TV at night and tell me they don't have time to go for a walk or they don't have time to do anything new. I'm calling it bullshit. Get off your technology. Like, Don't be addicted to it. Use it for the benefit it's been designed for. The, 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 the crazy thing is you know, technology was invented to give us more leisure time. <laughs> yeah. One of the things on COVID that you've got out of it and, and, and my family and people who are embracing this is the good points, if I ask my kids, it's not uh, technology or Archie playing Roblox that he's loving. It's going for a walk mm. with the family. It's taking the dog to the park. It's the, the bike ride we do every weekend. And I think it's also a really good time to look at the priorities in your life. And I think um, when we're doing or previously when we're working, we're so busy and doing and doing the things what our society deems as what success looks like. Um, we often forget to stop and think about what is it that I really want. Mm. Uh, I think with COVID, that has really made us realize that actually things can be different. And is this really the way that we want to continue or what what are the things that we can take out of this experience and bring that into our new way of working and align that with how you as an individual see uh, yourself in terms of what is it that I really want out of life and, and what is it that I really want from being a successful person mm. either at home or, or in the office. Before I answer that, can I cut and paste that and use it when I'm on ABC next week? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm talking to my producer tomorrow and they're talking about what – and I just thought – I want what she's having. So um, I'm going to watch this back over and I, I, I love what you said then. So yes, yes. So when you watch ABC next okay. week, you've inspired me for that. <laughs> um, how do I answer that? Um, not thinking about just such a good positioning. One of my favorite quotes is the power of cultivating free space. And you know I do this mm -hmm. in my diary. I do it in yours. I, I encourage our team to have some space to think. COVID's given us that space, forced space, which is why we freaked out. Space brings on time to think and reflect. And the non-examined life is not worth living. So I think for a lot of people, they've thought about priorities rather than waking up at 6am, throwing on the clothes, getting on the bus, the same coffee from the same barista, the same meetings with the same boring bloody people talking about the same boring stuff. We haven't had that. So I think we've been able to step back and go, what is important to me? I, um, I, I think about the difference often and I, I coach on this. We've got the good life and the goods life. The goods life is the one we've got caught up on, the Western definition of success, power, money, kudos. Uh, I've worked, I've coached a lot of people who've had this model of success is to be CEO or to, to play for the team. And, and it was... Um, there was a lot of damage along the way because they didn't have that integration or they didn't have some balance. So I'm not saying don't, don't worry about success. Um, I said no, don't cancel out success because you can be real high achiever, but I think you can also have the good life. Yeah? And the good life is pleasure, meaning, and purpose. So to me, it's and. It's not either or. Either I'm going to be CEO or I'm going to build a $100 million business or I'm going to represent the country at the Olympics 
Or I'm just going to have a really good life. What about and? I still think you've got to have a missing decade or two if you really want to get to that next level. And I guarantee if you speak to any male or female leader, entrepreneur, artist, musician, athlete who's really got to a level of success, they've put in the hard yards. You've got to focus on your craft. You've got to hone your craft. It takes years. But I think I think we can have a better blend. So and even reflecting upon that question, I think my mindset has shifted from COVID. It, it was it was a big hit for us initially. I think we adapted quickly. I think we're in a good spot now, um, and we'll have good learnings from this. I just I implore that people listening or watching this interview don't go back in eighteen months or so and forget it. I think there's a risk that we do that. Just go, oh yeah, remember two thousand and twenty or twenty twenty. I thank God it's gone. I think we can have a hybrid moving forward. Well, thanks so much, Andrew, for this. This has been a lot of fun and um, I've learned a lot. I've learned that oh, the new way of work is not something to be afraid of and that it's a fundamental mindset shift that we need to make um, and that there's a lot of levers and techniques that we can implement into our um, thinking but also the way that uh, our daily habits that can improve um, how we go through and work through this time so thank you very much and i hope i get to do this again I, I, you are yeah, thomas she definitely is yeah I'm, I'm i'm gone i'm just going to be interviewed in the future um <laughs> thank you in, in in wrapping that up the theme i said uh, yeah would you like to start doing some podcasting and yeah, yeah i said well what about we do it next week um this is part of the new world of work so credit to you thank you for the work you've put in um very different to what you were doing a year ago, right? So different. Like all this equipment, all this lighting and everything else, completely different to what I was doing before, but I am having a lot of fun. But you're doing uh, segments as well on creativity. You paint. paint. Um, You're very artistic. You teach our corporates now on creativity. Um, I think it's just wrapping up. You're a good example that um, you, you worked at KPMG. You had a successful career for 15 years. You did the same things. I think that when we scratched the surface and went, you can do that, your operations, but let's also do this. I think that's the new world of work. Yeah, it's both. It's, it, it's, it's taking the skills you've had and flourishing, you know, blossoming in other areas as well. Thanks. <laughs> it's a wrap. Done. Hey, it's Andrew again, and we hope you enjoyed that interview. Just a quick note to remember to please go to nab.com.au slash businessfit. We hope you really liked this episode and received lots of value, and we would love it if you can go to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast and click on the subscribe button. We'd also really appreciate it if you share it with friends or colleagues you think might also benefit from these messages. And we'd really appreciate if you can rate and review it. We love seeing your messages and love seeing your ratings. Okay, that's it for this time. We look forward to connecting with you again on the next episode of NAB Business Fit.